Well, that sounds like like two people are doing good. So hopefully the rest of y'all get good. Still sleeping. Hey, um, DJ Pastor D is what it is. Let me just give you some reference. We are doing music and sound for eighth grade prom, and I'm glad you're excited about it. So uh, we're doing like lots and music and um, that ruin the sound and stuff for them. So that they've been making a little joke about me being Pastor DJ Derek. And so, but uh, but just just to kind of get you guys um, before we get started into this, I want to kind of just say um, on behalf of me and Brittany. Um, and Zane Lyric, really, um, thank you guys for your all's prayers this week. Um, if you didn't know, Brittany had to have emergency surgery um, this past week, um, which Brittany's my wife, if you didn't know. Um, it was a little bit scary, um, but she's good. She's sitting in the back row right now, so beautiful lady. Uh, she's like sinking down in her seat right now, but um, thank you guys for your all's prayer. And, um, it, was really, it really was scary. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to cry. Uh, but just kind of set this message up this week for today is um, about two or three days after Christmas, because school's out and dad doesn't like to fix things for breakfast in the morning, I decided, hey, I'm going to take my kids to McDonald's. Okay? So we roll down to McDonald's and we're eating our breakfast. And of course, the kids want to sit where they have. You know the one over here in front of Lowe's? They had a little game thing right there next to one of those tables that really distracts your kids from eating. Thanks, McDonald's. Um, you sit there for about an hour longer than what you really wanted to because they're busy playing whatever that ball game is. You know, you roll it and it goes in a hole. Ski ball, yeah. Okay. So, so they're playing that. They're eating. And behind me, and I don't know what it is about McDonald's, but you know, there's always, like in the mornings, some, like a group of five or six really old, old men discussing politics and trying to save the world. With their newspaper, okay? Well, so we're sitting here listening, and I'm listening to these guys. These these guys tell what's the matter with the government, what's the matter with the world, and um, doing the old man thing, which I'm going to be honest with you, I can't wait till I get to like, be like 60, 70, 80 years old where I can go do that too, okay? I'm, I'm really looking at, those are like the, the golden year. I'm really looking forward to that. Okay, Brian, you can go with me and do it, okay? Uh, I'm really looking forward to that, but they're sitting there, they, like, they have solved the world's problems, Right? But here's what makes this so interesting. No, this is why they're trying to solve the world's problems is because we can all admit that there's something wrong in this world. Right? Like we can, we can live this. Like if, if you live longer than two days, you know something's gone, gone wrong in this world. And there's all kinds of things that they're like, no, like almost, no matter who you are, no matter where you grew up, no matter where you live, there, there's something that needs to be fixed in this world. And maybe it's addiction. Maybe it is government. Maybe it is violence. Maybe it's the corruption. Maybe it's the envy, the strife, the brokenness. The list can go on. But all throughout history, we as humans strive to correct the things that have gone wrong, to try to fix what has gone wrong, to find, try to find a remedy to help human nature. So we, we thought in the early years that if we, we, if we like the age of revolution, for example, we thought that, or humans thought that they proposed that if we just overthrew monarchies, and had uh, democracies, and the world would be a better place. So they did that, right? But then the age of enlightenment came, came along and promised that if we would just educate ourselves, that humans, human beings would become more peaceful. Well, we'll see in a minute, that didn't work. 
Then science came along and suggested that if we just advance technology, civilizations would become more and more peaceful. If we just get technology in the hands of people, if we get people connected via social media or Facebook, and I'm not saying these things are necessarily bad, but we think that these are the fixes to cure what's gone wrong in the human heart. But what we find out happened is that revolutions and democracy still oppress people. We find out that education just made evil people cleverer. I don't know if that's really a word. Science and technology just brought about atomic bombs and cybercrime and tech addiction. And, you know, democracy and education and science are all good things. But I don't really believe those are the things that will fix. Those aren't the remedy to what's gone wrong in the human nature. See, beyond looking at the big brokenness of the world, like, that humans have tried to fix, like if we look at a personal level, we know that there's addictions that we can't stop. There's, we try to fill our emptiness, the emptiness in our lives with, with money and sex and power and relationships and stuff, and we, we fail to even live up to our own expectations, right? Has that any resolutions for this new year? How many of y'all have already failed them? Or, or we, 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 we try, and so what happens when we fail our own ideals, we don't get to where we wanted to be at 10 years ago to now. Like, have you seen that picture thing that's going on, on Facebook, post a picture from 10 years ago to now? I'm like, you wouldn't even recognize me because I, I, was, I was skinny and ha- didn't have a beard. Okay? But is this really where I wanted to be at 10 years ago? Is this the goal that I had in my life? And when we don't reach those, we have these insecurities that, that beat us up and, we, and maybe we become prideful or envious or, or lacking, maybe even lacking love for other people because we're so disgusted with ourselves. You see, although all, there, there has been many books and speeches, like even the biggest, the biggest book section in the bookstore is this self-help books. This is how you can lose weight. This is how you can have a better life. This is how you defeat depression. This is how you, and you go to hear speeches on or listen to TED Talks about how, how to face these things and you're still sitting there empty. And I honestly think there's an opinion out there, one that I believe is actually fact, that people are leaving out. And it's the opinion, or in my, in my view, the fact of our friend Paul. Paul was a guy who, to be honest, started out hating people who said they believed in the way as Christians were known at the time. So he went around killing people, and all of a sudden he had this miraculous encounter on the road to Damascus, and he wrote the majority of our, our new, the new, what we call the New Testament, but these, these were just letters to his friends. Letters to people that he came, came in contact with that he wanted to make sure they had what I believe is fact, but this opinion in their life. But Romans, and let me just say this before I, before I read this. This is, a, this is a, one of those hard passages. Like you read those and you know, you're kind of like, you look around making sure like nobody's, and not really, I wouldn't really say offended, but you know, you're like, you know, it makes you uncomfortable a little bit. Okay? So I want you to just hold on with me just for a second. Okay? I believe in all of this, we're going to see a remedy for what has gone wrong in this world. And Romans 1, 21 starts out with saying this. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship 
him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to, th- to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they, in- they, in- claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the, glor- the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So let me just stop right there just for a second. Like we have a God that's, that, that, that's, that calls us into a relationship with him. And he is glorious, ever-living, everlasting. We, have, we get to talk to the creator of the world. How many of us have put other things in front of God? I think we all have. It, hey, it could even be your family, your kids. It could be your spouse. Like they're not bad things, right? Like I love my kids; they're good. My wife is smoking hot and awesome. <laughs> you should have done that right there. Okay. Like she's good, but if I put her before my God, I'm doing exactly what these people are doing. You want some marriage advice? Here's my marriage advice. And, I'm, and this is coming from a guy who struggles at doing marriage right, okay? I think most guys can say that. <laughs> you want to learn how to, one, to love your wife more or love your husband more or, to, or, or vice versa or make them love you more? You chase God so hard that they have to go through God to get to you. Because if your relationship's not right with God, then your relationship's not going to be right with your spouse, nor is it going to be right with your kids. God, spouse, kids. Well, Derek, my kids need to be taken care of. You're right, but if you and your spouse aren't being taken care of of each other, then your kids are going to, they're not going to do very good. That's a whole different sermon. Verse 24, so God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded truth about God for a lie. So they worship. And here's here's what I'm saying with this. What did what did what did the very first, like what did Satan do at the very beginning? He took a truth of God and traded Eve for a lie. So that that's the devil's scheme. That's Satan's scheme to take something that God has made true, holy, and gracious, and turn it and twist it. That's why, like, listen to me. God created sex. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay. He created sex. Which means it's good inside of the way that he made it, he designed it to work. Because if you get out, you take what Satan does and takes something God created like sex and twist it and, and pervert it, then it's going to be, then it, it's not the way God intended for it to be from the beginning. So anything outside of the way God designed things to work can't be right because he says, hey, I created the thing, I know how it works, and I know how to do it best. So if you do it within these confines, we're good. And that goes with anything in life. I just thought I'd say sex because it gets people on their edge, you know. <laughs> Makes Kirby really uncomfortable. <laughs> She's getting married this next weekend. Oh, yeah. All right. There we go. <laughs> Verse 26. Wait, wait, wait. Go wait. No, 25. They, they traded truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served these things. God created these things God created instead of, of the creator himself. So they're, they're worshiping the created things, the things that we can see with our eyes, the things that we can touch, the trees, the animals. They, created, they worshiped those things instead of worshiping the God who created them. 
to the Creator Himself, who's worthy of eternal praise. Amen. I like how sometimes writers in the Bible, they like amen all by themselves. Let's put it right there on the end of the sentence. I don't care if anybody else agrees with me. I'm like, amen all by myself. I had a pastor do that one time. I'm like, please don't do that. That's weird. Verse 26. That is why God, instead of having... Wait, where am I? Okay, switch on me. This is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex instead, and instead of indulging in sex with each other. And then men, instead of having normal, normal sexual in relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. And I'm, I'm going to say this. I am, this is not a message about homosexuality. Just so everybody gets backs up a little bit, okay? They suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Verse 28, since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking. And let them do things they should never be, never be done. Because ultimately, God's going to give you what you, your heart ultimately wants. What your heart ultimately desires, God's going to give it to you. So if you desire the things of God, of course, you're going to get the things of God. If you desire the things of this world, you're going to get the things of the world. It's your choice. Verse 29, their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. Anybody done any of those? Okay, maybe just me. Verse 30, they are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They, they invent new ways of sinning, and they disobey their parents. Verse 31, they refuse to under, understand, break, they break their promises, are heartless, have no mercy. Verse 32, they know God's justice requires that those who do the things... Thing, the things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. See, our friend Paul, I think, is very clear on what has gone wrong in this world. And I believe, if, if we're going to be honest here, and this is, I'm speaking of my, myself here too, the, rem- the thing that we need the remedy for most in this world, the problem in this world, isn't the government. Too many people are putting their hope in the government. No matter where you stand, no matter if your person won or not, if your hope's in that, then we just, for lack of better terms, you're screwed either way. We try to put it in our kids. Maybe my kids will grow up. That'll be my remedy. My kids will grow up, make a lot of money, and support me because, you know, that's going to happen. Or I'm going to invest so much in my kid that they become NFL or NBA stars. Good luck. Or maybe if I, just, if I could just get this job and have this much money, I'm going to be good. That would be my fix. Or if I could just marry that girl, whoo, that, would be, that would be amazing. That would be my remedy. I'd be fixed. And we start putting our hope and our resources in the wrong thing because we think we know what needs to be fixed. And in reality, we're looking in a, whole, a totally wrong direction. See, I, I agree with Paul, and I believe his opinion is right, is that the problem in this world is sin. Look, Derek, I'm a good guy. Yeah, you might be good compared to who? Your neighbor? But if we are followers of Christ and Christ is the standard, where do you match up? Let's go this route. You have a mountain. And you put Billy Graham at the top. Martin Luther a little bit right there with him. All these people, where do you line up compared to these guys? To them, you look like your neighbor that you just compared yourself to, Right? But see, the fix, the remedy is, is, is sin. 
That's why our, our brother King James, King, not King James, King David, James was not in the Bible anywhere. <laughs> King David, I'm a King James people, shout out right there. Uh, Psalms 51.5 says this, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. I was born in it. It's by my nature I'm sinful. And in, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Like it's by nature, that's who we are. Like when we're born, it's, it's something that entangles us. It's like, I don't care how cute that little baby is, he has or she has a sinful heart. Now, it may not be on display yet, but give it a year and you'll find out. Now, you get an amen from parents. No, okay, I guess I'm up here all by myself. Like we're born this way. It's by our nature. It's why you're, like when, when somebody cuts you off in traffic, that's why you're automatically thought, your thought is to cuss that driver out. Oh, how dare you? you how can you drive up beside them and you throw up the peace sign? Half of it, Half of it at least. <laughs> or, or, or maybe, maybe that, that, one, that person said the wrong thing to you. Oh, no, she didn't just say that. And you go off on That's why our first nature is to lash out. And it's because of this. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Sin has corrupted our thoughts, emotions, and our actions. Sin has corrupted our thoughts, emotions, and our actions. See, sin changes how we see and react to the world around us. It distorts our view on any situation going on around us. That's why, like, after Adam and Eve ate the fruit that was forbidden for them to eat, while they saw that they, that they were naked, they saw that they, that they had to cover themselves of God. It was the first time that they felt the weight of what would be called known as sin. And what did they try to do? They tried to remedy the situation by what? Covering themselves up. And God's like, how do you know you're naked? See, our, our thoughts get distorted. We, we, we don't think about God in the, in the right way. Because if God's all-knowing, then he's going to know that you're naked up underneath them leaves. That remedy is not going to work. That's why he had to make a sacrifice of an innocent lamb to cover, to make clothes for them to cover themselves up. It change, sin changes how we how we view things. It distorts the view on on the fix or the remedy. So we have to change our our thoughts because there's we're about to read a passage here in a minute that says we have to change our mind because if we don't change our mind, then our hearts aren't going to change, which means our emotions are going to be out of check. And now, how many of you I know if your emotions are out of check, your actions are not too far to follow? It's why Paul would also write to the church at Romans and to us today. He would say, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what the good and acceptable and perfect will of God is. We have to change the way we think. We have to change the way we think about God. If we're ever going, if we're ever going to live a life of freedom, if we're going to be able to worship in freedom, we have to think about things differently. That's why I tell people all the time, "Hey, okay, I understand that your wife said that, or you think your wife's doing that, or your husband's doing that." But what if we think a little bit? What if we start placing honor on our wives or our husbands? They may not deserve it, but we're going to start thinking different, and our approach to our husbands and wives are going to be different because we're thinking different. We're we're approaching things different. We got to approach God differently. But it's hard for us because sin causes something. And here's what it causes. If you're taking notes, you write this down. Sin at its core is selfishness. Sin 
at its core is selfishness. You ever met somebody that was really selfish? It's dirty and disgusting, isn't it? It's all about me. If it doesn't benefit me, then I don't want to do it. If it doesn't give me pleasure, I'm not going to do it because it's all about me. And that's really what sin does to us. It distorts our emotions, our thoughts, and our actions because it's all about us instead of giving, giving our lives, pouring our lives out for the people around us. It's selfishness. Sin is self-absorbent. It pleases me. And the question becomes, as we find out, is, you know, is one of my favorite passages, passages ever. You know, as Ephesians 2 starts off kind of dark. You know, it says, you're dead in your sin. And your trespasses, which means dead people can't do anything about their, about themselves, right? Like if I had a dead body laying right here, which would be weird, I would never do that. <laughs> and I said, all Johnny has to do is sit up. You'd look at me like I've been sipping the communion wine a little too much, wouldn't you? Because dead people can't do anything about their situation at that point, right? So they need an outside source to give them life. Just like me and you, there's nothing we can do to fix our selfishness, to fix our actions. And the Bible is very clear that the remedy that we need is a guy by the name of Jesus. Not a man in the White House or a woman in the White House. Not a new kind of government or whatever. I hate watching the news. People think they got the answers, and the answer's been there in front of them for years. And the answer is what, the, what this world really needs, what our community needs, is really Jesus. Like it's been tested and proven that it works. You look at all these people who were sinners that were turned into saints. You look at me, who I was, even though I went to church, acted like I was a church, I was a hoe for show, Okay? Live my, my life selfishly, doing what I wanted to do, and God flipped my story. Made me want to live for Him. You look at the changed lives that we've seen here at Shift Church. People who would live this lifestyle, and God changed them. They're, they got the remedy, and now they're focused in this direction. You see marriages that have gotten stronger. You've seen friendships that have gotten stronger. All because we said, you know what? The remedy is Jesus, and that's what we're going to be about. We're going to be about Jesus, and here's why. Because Jesus died on a cross and rose again to bring us new life, to bring humanity new life. And you might be in that camp that just said, well, Jesus died to save me, to keep me to go to heaven. That's absolutely true, but if that's all you're living for, then this world's going to suck for you. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Jesus came and died on the, on the cross and rose, rose from the grave to give you new life now. Is this world going, some hard things going to happen in this world? Absolutely. This world's going to suck at times. But he's came to give you new life, like a, something to live for, a hope of the future. Jesus came to give you a new life. It's why, it's why Paul... Right, so our brothers and sisters on this new life, about this new life in Ephesians four, when he says, "You got to throw off your your old sinful nature and your formal ways, which is corrupted by the lust and deception." We got to get rid of this old self if we want to have this new life. If we want to have hope, we got to turn it over to Jesus, and you can do that today. 
You've got to get rid of this old self. And it's not really you getting rid of it. It's Jesus coming in and cleansing you in the moment. And don't tell me, oh, well, Derek, I've got to clean myself up before I can even do that. No, I'm telling you, Jesus loves you right where you are. And you just, you just, you just take care of that today. I don't have to, you don't have to clean yourself up. That's the, the greatest message of the gospel is, is, is the fact that he meets you right where you are. That's why he'd walk right up in there in that tax collector tax collector's house. That's why he would touch the lepers. That's why he would do all this stuff to show them that you can never be too far away from God. You've got to be willing to get rid of selfishness. Sin. If you're in Christ, we have put off our old way of living. We don't have to go back to the old broken system anymore. So he goes on to say in Ephesians 4.23, Instead, let the Spirit renew you. Let the who renew you? The Spirit. That has nothing to do with you. The only thing you've got to do is lay it down. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts. That's one. Right? Because sins, it corrupts our thoughts and your attitudes, which is our actions and our emotions goes on to say, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. This new life exists because our identity is not in ourselves anymore, but it's in a God's name named Jesus. You don't know the people's opinion about me. It doesn't matter about their opinion about you because you're new. If they knew me as, a, as someone who was, a, who was an addict, who was, who was a prostitute, I, I don't care. That's not who you are anymore because in that moment that you give your life to Christ, you are new in Him. I love what Paul wrote in Romans 6 where he says, Or have you forgotten? That when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. That's something new for you. You don't have to leave here this morning and and go back to your old systems, your old ways, your old broken things. No, God says, I have something new for you. Do you want it? Do you want to live free? Connor talked about freedom in worship. You want to talk about something that will set you free? Be able to feel what he was talking about there? Let's, why don't you turn everything over to Christ this morning? Well, Derek, I just don't know. I'm not good at I don't know. That's too many people here. Okay. There's a connection card in your seat. Won't you just say, hey, you know what? I'm going to give my life to Christ today. Put your phone number on there. Let me call you and talk to you about it. It's okay. It's scary coming up this way. Trust me. But you can have new life today. And guess what? It's free. It's totally free. It's the whole point of the gospel. Us being broken and needing a remedy and Christ being that remedy to fix 
all our problems. Now, tomorrow's going to suck. Tuesday's going to suck. You're going to think, Derek, I thought this whole thing was, oh, my life's going to be joyful. No. That's why he says, in this world you will have. But here's the thing, our mind doesn't stay, our thoughts don't stay on that trouble because we know that we got a place that we're going. That's so much better. That's why when I pass by graveyards or I'm doing a funeral, I, sometimes I'm so jealous. So jealous. Here they are, and if they're believers in the presence of God, something that we're hopeful for. That's why we, we always say the best is yet to come because there's something out there that's better than our, my present situation. Because since your love got a hold on me, right? I can look and I can focus on what my future is. Yeah, you may punch me in the face, but I'm keeping looking. Just walk away is what I tell people all the time. Just walk away. But in the middle of our brokenness, we have a Savior. In the midst of, of this brokenness that's in this world, the sinfulness in this world, what, with everything that's gone wrong in this world, we have a remedy, and his name is Jesus. There used to be an old song, Jesus, Jesus. Dad probably could sing it for you. You remember it? I'm not going to put you on the spot. <laughs> There's no other name under heaven which man can be saved, that the world, world can have a remedy. In the name that is Jesus. And so my, my, my quest for you this morning is this. My, my challenge to you this morning is this. Let's stop relying on our own selfishness, our own sin. Let's try to stop fixing the world in and of ourselves. And let the Spirit who created us new, or can create you new this morning, put you, put you to charge you, to encourage you. Because, because the only thing that can fix this world is Him. And I'm going to tell you something. Because I've read the end of the book. One day he will. One day he will. And we're going to be able to play a part in that now. We're going to get to play a part in his story even now. And we can stand on the shores of the new heaven and the new earth one day and say, look at what God did. It really was Jesus. He was the remedy. Because in the end, I say this a lot, and we don't have to fight front for victory, we're fighting from victory because in the end, we win. We win. So, you have a choice this morning to accept this new life in Jesus or to go keep going back to your broken systems that have proven that didn't work. Let's pray. Hey God, we want to thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to be here this morning. And I pray as we continue in worship this morning, God, that maybe there's somebody here that needs new life. They need to become a new creature in you, a new creation. And God, I just pray you give them the courage to do that. Even if it's something as simple as just filling out on a connection card, God, I want to give my life to Christ. Or maybe it's a... Uh, Maybe it's walking back in the back and meeting with Justin. Saying, I just want to talk to somebody. I want to give my life to Christ this morning or whoever. Let us not leave here without our hearts that burn for you. As new creatures, new creations. 
in you. God, I pray for all of our hearts in here that are believers, that maybe we've lost track or lost, the, lost our minds a little bit and, and moved, away from, moved away from our being focused on you as the remedy. God, I pray that you fix our gaze upon you. That's your name and your renown. It's the desire of our hearts. And I pray all this in your name. Amen.